0: Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative and I, are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy... In this episode, Tom and Megan take up one of Tom's favorites in the MCU, Doctor Strange. Because That's What Heroes Do is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative and I, are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from a societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy. In this episode, Megan and I take up one of my favorites, which is the first Doctor Strange. Popcorn and Compliance: The Marvel Cinematic Universe on Popcorn and Compliance, all on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with Megan Doherty for our continued challenge, where we're going to review the entire MCU on Popcorn and Compliance. Why? Well, one, number one, it's there. And number two, we are ultimate MCU geeks. What we've done, though, is reviewed them in re uh, rewatched them and then podcast about them in chronological order, timeline, not by release date. And I must say, it's been a fabulous experience. Um, And today we continue with one of my personal favorites, Dr. Strange. So I'm Tom Fox, uh, the voice of compliance, your co-host, and...
1: And I'm Megan Doherty, the host of the Business Podcast Blueprint Show and fellow MCU fan and Compliance Podcast Network enthusiast. So, (laughs) Tom, I have been um, looking forward to having this conversation uh, specifically because I know how much you love dr strange and i know how much you love this movie so i would love you to just start uh by rambling on and on the same way i will next week about thor ragnarok uh please how much do you love it
0: (laughs) so boys can't like witches (laughs) we can't that's just the rule uh even if it's you know samantha unbewitched uh Or at least we can't be witches. Or at least we couldn't be witches. But we can always be wizards. (laughs) And so I always wanted to be a wizard. Uh, So I've loved wizards since I was a kid. And um, this is a movie about a wizard, Doctor Strange. And as much as it's about a wizard, Megan, the thing that I really love, it's a story of personal journey and personal growth. And certainly it's within the context of the superhero movie, so we have to acknowledge that. But if you step back and really look at it, from Dr. Stephen Strange to um, MCU character Dr. Strange, there's actually a lot of personal growth. In kind of the introductory scenes, he is a brilliant, and I have to emphasize, brilliant brain surgeon, but he's also a petulant child. And there is um, a scene after he's in a horrific accident and his hands are uh, basically irrevocably damaged and he can't, uh, engage in surgery again, where he has one of the most petulant temper tantrums with a woman who loves him very much and he's put up with him. Um, and he tells her basically quit simpering around here, uh, trying to do good of with the broken boys and you're just hanging around and get out of here. And, not that I've ever said that to anyone, but uh, that's typically what you say when you're at your most petulant. And it was a very powerful scene. I thought it was a humiliating scene for um, the actress, uh, Dr. Palmer, and and she responds with humiliation and, and leaves, to her credit. Um, but he is literally uh, the master of the universe of medicine at the top of the world and he takes a fall because he's not paying attention while he's driving his Lamborghini too fast um, and uh, becomes injured. And as he tries convention conventional medical um, remedies, uh, when all of your fingers are broken, 9.95 can heal, and that other 0.5 can leave you with no ability to be a brain surgeon because of the fine nature of the work you have to do. So he cannot uh, perform as a brain surgeon and he goes off to uh, the mythical kingdom of um, uh, Shambhala and uh, in search of a healing, master arts of healing um, called Master Hamir. And that's where he meets, uh, he starts his learning process and even there, it's a process of learning as he learns to control his astral projections, as he learns to control time and space, and he learns to control himself so that he can be essentially a guardian of the universe um, with a time stone. Uh, and, and that that whole journey really resonated with me. Plus, he's an extraordinarily cool wizard. Um <laughs> He, uh, uh, he gets to do really cool things. He uh, studies uh, ancient texts, and he gets to um, take on some really magnificent bad guys in this movie. The special effects are literally mind-bending. <laughs> uh, think Inception kind of special effects, if you recall that movie or mm-hmm. a fan of that. So, um, and plus, uh, Bender Dick, Bender Dick Cumberbatch, uh, I will. I don't know if this will resonate with you, but when he was in the Sherlock Holmes series, that one of the characters um, uh, kisses him, and uh, they interviewed that actress, and she said, "You know, he's so good looking. Who wouldn't mind running their fingers through his hair for a kiss?" <laughs> and that's how I've always thought of him: this studly giant. And uh, he is a yeah, He's a tall guy. He kind of uh, funny looking. Yeah. Maybe look in a
1: nice way, but funny
0: looking. Very <laughs> narrow face. And um, anyway, uh, so I always thought he was a really good looking guy and wouldn't mind, you know, if I was a woman running my fingers through his hair as well. So um,
1: <laughs> he does have great you
0: know, hair. Great, <laughs> and he has great hair. Great hair. <laughs> great hair. So uh, it worked on a lot of ways. The special effects, as we've come to expect, were first rate. Ah, uh, the sidekick uh, Wong was just as lovable as they can can be. The bad guy was great. We had a good guy who turned into maybe a bad guy at the end. Morto, um, the master was a fabulous character. Uh, so, kind of all worked for me.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it was a fun movie. I, I liked a lot of the, the same things uh, that you did. Um, it's like the, the original character, the pre superhero Doctor Strange it really struck me that um, his character was one of the two outcomes of being a gifted child. So either you're going to, you know, when, when everything's too easy for you, when you're in elementary and high school, maybe in college, either you're going to become um, an anxious, nervous wreck, or you're going to become Dr. Strange. And so <laughs> it's going to be one of the two. There's no in between. Uh, so that that happened to him. Um, but one thing that I thought was, was kind of, to his credit as a character, even when he was, um, you know, an arrogant master of the universal lord of creation, um, more than most of the other MCU characters, he took taking human life really hard. That really impacted him. And it really, I think, impacted the way he, you know, took on the, the big bad at the end, or Mamu. Um, but a lot of the MCU heroes understand that there's going to be casualties of war. And he's just like, no, I took an oath, man. Like, I may have been an arrogant jerk, but saving and improving human life mattered to me and I think that was consistent through his character from the beginning to the end so I, I kind of like that about him um and that you know it was a really big deal he was going to make sure that the the humans and the people were okay uh, so I like that about him and I thought the imagery of his hands was really interesting uh you know all the close-ups on them at, at the beginning of the surgery of the washing how everything was going and then as soon as he goes into that mirror dimension and how cool was the mirror dimension <laughs> for the first time his Fingertips expanding into more hands, and it was all really hand-related imagery, which I thought was super cool.
0: So the the doctor part, the physician part, the Hippocratic Oath—that um, is in—I can't think of how long ago I first saw that, but the one that sticks in my mind is from the TV show Mash, where <laughs> uh, Doctor Honeycutt said the same thing. I took an oath. Yeah, I took an oath to do no damage and do no harm, and that really seems to matter to doctors. I'm not a doctor, so yeah. I can't speculate. But they take an oath, and that oath uh, really means something to them. So I thought that was interesting that he that he brought the oath in. This is, in many ways, the most um, psychedelic of yeah. the MCU movies uh, until, um, as we're recording this, um, Doctor Strange 2 has come out, which I haven't seen yet. Me neither. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> no
1: spoilers, please.
0: <laughs> the multiverse um, fully explored in that, or at least uh, more greatly explored. But we start to explore that in this movie, and it's a, it's a theme we're going to see, I think, throughout the next kind of iteration of the MCU. Uh, but we had some great Pink Floyd music uh, in the movie. So what gets more psychedelic than uh, Pink Floyd? The, um The penultimate fight scene uh, at climax of the movie is a huge fight at the um, temple in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And um, but I was really intrigued and really enjoyed the way they did it, Megan, which was they they showed the destruction of the temple and then we move backwards in time. And that obviously was part of the, the time jumping and the time stone. But I also thought that was a really effective way uh, to tell a story, uh, Mm -hmm. basically going backwards visually.
1: Well, I think uh, on the the visual theme, um, I I always like how Marvel treats magic uh, and they try to explain it and they have a logically consistent magic system within the MCU. Um, But just the way they displayed the magic with the the, the kind of the floating glowing icons, uh, you know, that could make these almost um, runes. Uh, that would create the spell, and then also, you know, create these these ephemeral weapons. Uh, so visually, I, I loved how they did that, and I, I always like watching in all of the other uh, iterations where Doctor Strange appears. That sort of hand-based shield magic was just so fun to watch.
0: So I misspoke a little bit earlier. I called the temple that he goes to in the. Uh Himalayan country as Shambhala, it was a Karmataj. I'm going to get to Shambhala in a minute when we get to some of the Easter eggs. In fact, why don't we just maybe go to the Easter eggs, because they had some delicious ones in here, uh, starting with Dr. Palmer, who, as the movie has started, has uh, broken up with Stephen, uh, and then uh, he tries to uh, get her back, you know, at least for one night, uh, being a good guy. (laughs) Uh, that he is, and that, uh, she says, no, that violates her rules about dating coworkers. And he says, oh, the strange rules. And uh, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> there's a reference, the Shambhala reference was uh, almost comedic, because when he gets to uh, uh the person who takes him to his room says, we're not savages, here's the Wi-Fi password, and it's Shambhala. <laughs> Now, it, it is me- that my mantra? <laughs> it, <laughs> that it, was great. <laughs> it meant something in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but um, it meant something different to me because um, Three Dog Night had a song in the early '70s called "On the Road to Shambhala," oh. so which was part of your you know quest to go to Tibet, and so that's what I thought the original to reference to. Turns out it wasn't quite <laughs> it, but. Still pretty cool for me. The um, other thing was, of course, we had a great Stan Lee uh, Mm -hmm. cameo. We had the uh, Infinity Stone make another appearance. This is uh, the Time Stone. So because we are seeing this in uh, chronological order, this time around, I understand the purpose of the Time Stones and where they all fit in. So it made a lot more sense. And uh should we should you just tell us about when when he appears thor appears (laughs) it's not an easter egg it's a thrill (laughs) for we're gonna take a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back with more I think it was, it was
1: actually it was a, a clip from from the next movie we're going to be talking Hi. about, uh, but yeah, so it's the the post movie uh, one of one of the first two stingers at the end, and uh, it is Doctor Strange post events of Doctor Strange the movie, and uh, Thor is just lands in his office looking for Loki, which we know is going to be in trouble, uh, and there's a delightful delightful um, interchange between the two of them. Is would you like a cup of tea? I don't drink tea, and then he gets a magically refilling giant stein of beer, um, and uh, Dr. Strange and now has kind of fully grown into his new character. He is one of the defenders of Earth and the protectors of mankind and he's just like Loki's trouble but if you're going to get him out of here, cool, we'll, we'll work together. Kind of setting the stage for how they're going to be relating together Kind of grudgingly working together in the future.
0: One other thing I really liked was it it wasn't a sidekick I'm not sure you can call it that but it was the cape.
1: The okay, cape? It's kind of a sidekick.
0: And it was a magical cape, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing about it was he didn't pick the cape. The cape picked him. And that's uh, something we've seen in other movies um, Mm -hmm. where uh, the magical creature, the magical weapon, um, the hammer, uh, any of those, they pick one who is worthy. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really liked the cape and the cape does some really cool things, but the cape picked him. And whether it was because the cape thought he was worthy, whether he would be worthy, it's not really clear. But I always like it when the the magical instrumentality picks the person it wants to use as the vessel for its use.
1: I, I like that trip too. I mean, it, it comes up so often in, in fantasy and in literature. I mean, the sword in the stone... Uh, the whole Harry Potter franchise—it's—it's it's a wonderful trope, and I think it, it also comes—it's a, a fun idea, and especially well displayed in this episode is—you um, can kind of be a jerk, but still have this ability. Uh, you know, the ability is going to come to who it comes, and worthiness, talent—you kind of you're born with or not. Worthiness you develop over time, uh, and I really like kind of the recurring montage and the recurring idea of all the study and the delica- dedication and the diligent effort required. Um, treating magic, um, and the acquisition of it as this skill that you can work hard to acquire, I thought was, was really, really well done. Um, yeah, I thought it was, it, the magic in the MCU is just great. Uh, it, it is always a joy to watch. Um, just like, and this is my favorite cookie from, from the whole thing I'd like to share. Benedict Cumberbatch, Dr. Strange did the motion caption for Dumamu, the big bad at the end. It was him the whole time. I thought that was just a fun uh, uh, mirror dimension.
0: Right. Uh, So I really enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it. I loved uh, Dr. Palmer. She was a great character. I loved it when he appeared in her hospital and got her to do surgery while he was commenting to her from his astral projection. Um, uh, That was great. And then even as part of the evolution that he had throughout the movie at the end of the movie, uh, or near the end, he has to cede control of the operation to another doctor who he had belittled earlier in the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, it showed that you know he realized his limitations physically in the physical world because of the way his hands had been injured. So, um, uh, I really enjoy movies about personal growth. I generally detest movies about teenage boys who don't ever grow up, but he grew up. So, uh, <laughs> so there was. I think I've mentioned that.
1: before, like, dude at great expense of time and effort and property damage and human life discovers other people have feelings is not like the most fun trope. Iron Man did it a little bit, uh, but I think you're like. Dr. Cena Strange he earned it. he also studied for years and you know he ultimately saved the world. So okay, we'll we'll give it a pass.
0: So uh I don't think it would be breaking too uh many um rules to say he plays a big role in the uh endgame and <laughs> infinity wars. So we get to see Doctor Strange again, and I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, I hope you will join us for our next episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU series. And please
1: join us next time as we talk about, I think it was probably my favorite, uh, my personal favorite, Thor
0: Ragnarok. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Because That's What Heroes Do. As Megan said, our next episode we were going to take up. Next week, we take up one of Megan's personal favorites. Thor Ragnarok. I'd also like to tell you about a special podcast series that has premiered on the Compliance Podcast Network, The Corruption Files. In The Corruption Files, I'm joined by Hughes Hubbard partner Mike DeBernardis, and we take a deep dive into some of the most interesting FCPA and international anti-corruption enforcement actions over the past 15 years, which have really created the modern era of FCPA and anti-corruption enforcement. Check out The Corruption Files on the Compliance Podcast Network, Megaphone, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.